Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. Apologies for the ending of last episode. Uh, Ovi did a great job kind of letting you all know what went down, but I'll just tell you myself. Um, the power randomly went out uh, in my house, so Ovi did a great job just kind of finishing his point, and then I said, hey, man, the power's not coming back on anytime soon. Uh, could you just close this out, and then I'll uh, I'll get the podcast up when I can. And so a big shout out to him. Uh, he handled it like a champ. I honestly, I thought his outro was better than most of mine. Um, I did leave my frozen face up on YouTube. Uh, so if you want to just see my reaction to the lights all flickering, um, and then my frozen face for about like 25 seconds after that, I, again, I just wanted to let Ovi have his point, um, and not have to cut that. So for today's episode, um, going to be a little bit shorter, I sent out uh, the call for some mailbag questions, uh, got some great responses. I'm really, really appreciative of everybody who decided to hit me back on Twitter at Will McFadden. And uh, yeah, get me, uh, get me some questions to use for today's episode. So that is what we have on the docket for today. Before we get into that, I do have just kind of like two lingering thoughts from uh, Sunday's game. And you know, the first is is a little bit of a Trent Dilferism, um, and he will often use it when talking about quarterbacks. But I want to use it kind of specifically to talk about the Falcons' offense as a whole. And that is, at this point, the Falcons are still kind of butchers on offense, and they're not surgeons. And you know what I mean by that is they are able to get these kind of chunk plays, right? They actually have done a decent job of getting explosives offensively, whether that be, you know, a nice Bajan Robinson run, or as we saw on Sunday, a huge, beautiful, like balletic leaping grab by Drake London way downfield. These are awesome plays, but where the Falcons are falling short is when the field is condensing. And when those plays are the ones that are no longer available to you because you don't have 45 yards to throw the ball down the field, right? You have to fit it in these tiny little pinpoint windows. And that is where the Falcons by week 15, you would hope your, your good offense is like they're surgeons at this point, the best quarterbacks are surgical. And that is maybe my biggest concern about Desmond Ritter is even when they've got the ball at their own 30 yard line, right? And the Falcons have moved the ball. Well, between the 20s, kind of all season long, he's just missing slants by a foot. You know, it's it's like behind both the receiver and the defender. That gives me cause for concern because that's where it translates over into kind of the red zone, the goal line area. We saw the, the missed throw to Bajan Robinson, went back and watched that too. Antoine Winfield Jr., who again is like an all-pro player, he's so freaking good. Um, was right in Desmond Ritter's face when he threw that ball. So it was kind of a quick, hot read. He came free as the blitzer, but the touchdown was there. I'm, you know, I, I can't pretend to be an NFL quarterback. I've never dealt with this situation before. However, if you want to go frame by frame on the All-22, 
you know, it looks like there is an avenue to at least put the ball within reach of a John Robinson. I, you know, again, that's so much easier to say after the fact, but it's these little tiny details. And I say details, I really just mean the margin for error is so much smaller down there in the red zone at the goal line. And that is what concerns me if this Falcons offense is ever going to get things together kind of over these last four games, it has to start there. And the second second note I had is, is just that the, the Falcons are going to have a real uphill battle running the football the rest of the way because teams are just going to key on that aspect of the game. The Falcons got their run game going late again, but it was just so obvious that they were going to say, Desmond Ritter, you got to beat us. And again, because the Falcons are butchers, not surgeons, that plan paid off. But, you know, you can you can see more defenses saying, look, the Falcons are going to move the ball. They're just not going to be able to put the points on the board and we'll see if they can against us. So I expect the Panthers to really, really load up um, against the run again on Sunday. So those are two thoughts from the game. Before we get into the mailbag, all the major sports are in action this week, and the college football playoffs are ready to kick off, which means it's the perfect time to remind you that Bet Online is the number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, and all of the biggest upcoming fights. So head to the website today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Okay, so again, thank you guys so much for everybody who sent in mailbag questions. Um, if you guys want to ever email the show, you can at uh, believeinfalcons at gmail.com. Nice and easy. You can leave a comment on the uh, YouTube channel as well. I know, you know, I didn't solicit any uh, questions there. But if you guys ever have questions, go ahead and leave them in the comments. Uh, you can say it's for the mailbag. I'll make a note of it. And anytime we do these episodes, I'll make sure to uh, get around to them. But let's go ahead and uh, kick this off. The user Bogdan Bagdanovich. Love it. Um, what games would we have to lose for Arthur Smith to lose his job? What defines a collapse? So it's a, I mean, it's a good place to start because I, I think that this is a legitimate question for a lot of fans, right? This is another season where you have muddled through kind of a, a year where at various points, it's been like, okay, are the Falcons a team on the rise or are the Falcons a disappointing team, right? And that's been the case again this year. They get off to a 2-0 start and it's kind of like, all right, hey, look, Falcons are winning some games late. Like maybe they figured this thing out. Then they go on a little bit of a slide and, and it's kind of like, all right, well, what is this? And then, you know, the last couple of weeks, two teams or two wins and, and people are saying the team's got to come out of the NFC South. They kind of become a little bit of a media darling. Now they've lost again and it's all chaos. So I totally understand why people are, are saying, all right, well, at what point does, does the man in charge need to go and for us to get something different? So to answer the question specifically, what games would the Falcons have to lose? I, I think for Arthur Smith to, to lose his job this offseason, it would have to be all four. I'm not even certain that that, that would do it, frankly. And the reason why, um, actually, no, that, that leads into the next question. So just keep that uh, in, in the back of your mind for one second. Um, even, even losing out might not be enough. To me, they would have to lose out and... 
you would have to see kind of the defense, not just like kind of play poorly, but kind of like quit. And I don't think that's going to happen at all. Like knowing and having witnessed the guys in this locker room, it's just a very different vibe and kind of maturity level, frankly, than the locker rooms that I covered um, when I was with the team from 2017 through the pandemic 2020 season. Um, it, it just this locker room feels a little bit more grown up, which which makes sense given the uh, number of veterans on the team. But I, I think you would have to start seeing guys like Calais Campbell and Jesse Bates and and these, you know, really respected players, Caden Ellis, like they they would have to clearly have just been like, all right, we're packing it in. And again, I think there's a 0% chance of that happening. The other and more important thing that you would have to start seeing is the offense just showing no growth whatsoever. You know, just continuing to be putting up like 12 points into the fourth quarter. If they, if they put up like 16 points against Carolina on Sunday, that's kind of the start of maybe this like snowball thing where, yeah, you lose to the Panthers, your offense again, Carolina's got some good defensive players, but that's that's where I think really stuff would start getting uh, kind of really intense uh, maybe around the facility is the offense just is nothing. And then you start to see the other guys say, all right, enough of this. Like we're, we're starting to tune out the, the coach. And that is something that, that if I'm an owner, like I'm paying attention to, does he still have the ear of the team right now? I definitely believe that Arthur Smith does. And I, that is why I think a lot of people expect him to at least get kind of one more year. And so let's go into the next question, which uh, was asked by Jay. So I appreciate it, Jay. Um, how many losing seasons does one get when rebuilding? Are we the 76ers? Just keep tanking till FedEx boy gets the entire roster of top 10 picks. Then it's no longer the last regime's faults. Um, so yeah, obviously a little bit of a, a joke there at the end. Um, I hope you're not advocating for just always tanking. Obviously we want to win, but I totally get it right. How, how long should a rebuild be expected to last? And Really, that that's kind of why I think Arthur Smith gets one more year. And I know that this is an old answer. And I know that, you know, fans are, are probably sick because it like doesn't matter when you see a team like Houston just kind of turn things around really quickly. Right. Or you get like the Seahawks last year where Geno Smith comes out of nowhere and they all go on like this little magical run and, and they're the team of of the year. And it's like, well, why can't that be Atlanta? We've seen other teams do that, right? Mike McDaniel wasn't supposed to do this with the Dolphins this quickly, but to understand where the Falcons were when Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot came into Atlanta, it it was just in a really tough place. Like the saints, I have no idea how many wishes their genie has left to grant them. But the fact that they have kicked the can this far down the road, like they're off the road. They have gone to the dust out West because they have reached uncharted territory with how far they have kicked this can, but they're going to have to go through the same type of thing. And it's just the amount of dead money that was on the books for players like Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. Those are the biggest ones, but even like the Desmond Trufant contract, like that sat on the books for a little bit. Devontae Freeman's numbers were their contracts was on the books for like a little bit. So the players that the Falcons went all in on after the 2016 run. And again, in 2017, like things were working pretty well. If the Falcons had not had that rash of injuries in 18, 
we may be sitting in a totally different universe when it comes to Atlanta football and Dan Quinn may still be here and Matt Ryan may be retiring after this. Like everything kind of went really in a direction I wasn't expecting, but that's a, a story for a different day. I think that the hill that they had to climb just to get back to this offseason. And frankly, I know we sit here and we say, okay, those two seven and 10 seasons, like it's just more of the same. Those first two seasons are not like this season. Those first two seasons were an accomplishment, right? The, especially the second season. I mean, the, the talent on last year's roster, no, you know, slights any of those guys, but like it was, I think worse the worst of of the three years for Arthur Smith. But the first seven and nine was just, it was different. It was your first year. That's always really hard. Your quarterback's learning your scheme. You know, your number one receiver. You lose Julio in the offseason. Then Calvin uh, Ridley leaves the team and then is suspended for the rest of the year. And so Kyle Pitts, your rookie tight end, is your number. Like, they were both incredibly challenging seasons. This year is different. This has been a bad year. But uh, that is why I think you allow him to learn from how did this go wrong. And also, I do believe you'd get a little bit more pressure, not necessarily ultimatums, but just, all right, you know, you better make sure that this is right. And maybe that changes some thinking and and they press more short-term need over like you see that in the NFL all the time when job status kind of starts becoming a question, attitudes, behaviors change. Now, what I like about Arthur Smith is that he has stayed Kind of the same guy all throughout, even this year when you see the pressure, you know, do is starting to ramp up externally. Sometimes that changes guys internally. But again, everything I've seen in the locker room tells me that that this team still believes in Arthur Smith. They still believe in themselves. They still know what it takes kind of game in and game out to be right there. They're just not making those plays. And maybe once they do, it kind of has a little bit of a steamroll ripple effect and maybe they can go on a run and. And that's why sitting here, like it, the final four games are going to be so huge. I, it's just tough to answer that right now. But if they lose all four, things don't get better. There's a possibility. I just think that a lot of people are willing to give him one more year because the first two years are not like this third year. And those first two were accomplishments. And it made us all so excited for year three Let's let's see maybe one more run at it and maybe you get some of those veterans on the offensive side of the ball and you just change stuff. So that's kind of where I I sit um, at all of that. And then I do think it's fair to at least point to some of the top 10 picks, right? Kyle Pitts, I know he's been hurt. That's fine. He's just not been the player that we all expected to get. Like both can be true. Drake London looks like a freaking superstar, right? Especially coming off of that game. Bajan is fun as hell. So, you know, I don't know if these are game-changing players or they certainly certainly have not changed the direction of your franchise the way you would expect top 10 picks to be able to do. But if you look around the league, like I, it's kind of weird nowadays. It, it feels like it doesn't happen as much as it used to where your fourth overall pick in the draft actually does just become a stud in the league, right? It feels like there's way more misses and maybe that's just because the draft cycle has, has gotten so crazy and overcrowded and everybody's got takes in the 24 hour news cycle. And so teams get scared off anyway, again, another tangent trying to keep this episode shorter. I apologize. I really, you know, it's doing a, a solo pod is, is a, an art unto itself. Let's get to the third question from Vin. Are we really one quarterback away from being a contender and how long until the Falcons become a legitimate contender? 
I think that they can become a contender as soon as as next year. If they have another free agency class that is kind of as as successful as this one has been so far, that we've seen turnarounds happen pretty quickly. The Bengals, you know, in in Zach Taylor's first year, Joe Burrow's rookie year, like didn't look anything like they did year two, year three. And sometimes it just takes that little bit of time. And again, I look at this year as a little bit more akin to a year one than a true year three. So that would make next year kind of that year two, you get that second, right? If you're a college coach, you get your freshman class, Nick Saban's Alabama team, you start kind of setting the tone, then you get two classes. Now all of a sudden it's half of your roster is your guys. And, and that's kind of the situation that I think the uh, the Falcons could be in if they if they hit another really good free agency hall next year. Um, but being a one QB away, that is not the same, right? I'm just sitting here talking about getting a whole free agency class right. So I do think that, and it's part of the position, we talk about quarterbacks almost as extensions of the team, as representative, um, kind of like uh, chess pieces of the team, and we would we use them as stand-ins, right? So we say like, uh, Desmond Ritter sucks. Sometimes that's just like somebody thinks that the Falcons are not good and they aren't really studying. All right, well, what does Desmond Ritter do well? What does it's just like a national media guy being like, yeah, Desmond Ritter's the 31st quarterback in the league, in my opinion. It's like, hey, he's probably not. He's probably better than that for X, Y, and Z reasons. So that's where I think a lot of people will sit there and say, look at everything else the Falcons are doing well. And yes, Kyle Pitts is a, an incredible talent and Drake London is so good and they've got all these skill players and and they just need a better quarterback. But I don't know if that's necessarily true um, because I, I also don't know how much this offense, it varies from game to game, but this offense doesn't take the restrictor plate off of the quarterback in the ways that some others do. I, I think that it demands a lot of the quarterback Desmarder has to do a lot and it's a big playbook to digest, but it still doesn't feel like he's really like operating when the ball is snapped sideline to sideline in full command. He's not Peyton Manning, right? So that's kind of part of it is I, I don't know if any quarterback would come in here and just automatically like turn this offense into their offense. Um, but there are a few areas where I think the Falcons could definitely add um, beyond quarterback and that they would need to add to become a legitimate contender. I, I think that they need a different skill set at wide receiver, right? When when you have Kyle Pitts and Drake London, who are very similar guys, and they're your top two receivers, it it's just interesting to, to watch, I guess is a nice way to put it, because you see some of these dual route concepts, and it's like they're at the same place at the same exact time because they're the same person. And they run these like double posts and it's like, okay, are you the safety's covering them both right here? Cause they're five yards apart from each other. So what's the design? What's the game plan? So that's where I almost think you need some new ingredients to cook with. I think that you could use a route rudder of, of Calvin Ridley's caliber. And that's not to say that Drake London can't route him up. Cause he's actually been really good in that area this year, kind of surprisingly. And, and this last game was a masterclass in, in route running from him. But Almost like a Chris Olave, like that that slender type of just really joystick type of agility. I think they could use somebody like that. I think they could use just a more threatening burner. I, 
I know that's why Van Jefferson is here. You want this guy to do well, but he's just not so far. And that's kind of, you get what the Falcons were going for there and he just hasn't delivered. So that is, is an area is, is wide receiver. I definitely think they need a, maybe a couple of pieces and, and legitimate, you know, like I, again, I know what they were going for with Matt Collins. He's been banged up. That hasn't panned out. He looked really good to start the season. I would have liked to have seen him. Scotty Miller's had his moments, you know, uh, Alameda Zacchaeus had his moments, but, but go out and just get kind of another guy. Right. I, I think that that's one. They still need a, a dude at defensive end, a closer at defensive end, somebody who you have to like the offense has to change their chemistry. They have to change like what they are wanting and set up and would all things kind of even want to do. But they're not even because you've got this guy coming off the edge. The Falcons have not had that since John Abraham, even Vic Beasley's season. He wasn't viewed as that because he was just doing it for the first time. And I think teams and players, other players around the league figured out pretty quickly, okay, it's he's good in this one area, but just take that away. And then he doesn't have it other places. So the Falcons still need a guy like they've done a good job this year with a group of veterans and rotating that line and, and getting that hockey rotation. But that is a contender. We're talking about a legitimate contender. You need a great defensive end. Um, and and they've already David Onyemata is a great player. Grady Jarrett, when he comes back, he's a great player. You know, they've they've got some guys. I like what Arnold Lebicati is doing in limited snaps. I'd like to see him get some more snaps. So there's some pieces. They they need that one A pass rusher. Um, I would even settle for a one B, right? And then I think this doesn't have to be a wide receiver. This could be anywhere. They need a home run threat on offense. Right now, I I don't think they have any player who if they get daylight at the 25 yard line, right? Let's say it's the first play after a, a touchback. I don't think they have anybody that's just outrunning the defense and, and scoring from there. And, and that's kind of what has been frustrating about this Falcons offense sometimes is that it does feel really hard. Like when things are going poorly, there's just no easy button for this offense. And I think they need a Taylor Gabriel to, to pull them up again or a Marvin Hall or, or somebody who there's just that, all right, cool. You got behind the defense. Easy touchdown. We'll take it. Six points. That was nice. The Falcons have had like none of those this year. So those are just off the top of my head, three areas. So they're definitely not just a quarterback away from contending. But I, again, I do think they could be way more in the mix next year than they are this year, which would surprise a lot of people. Um, but I, I trust what they've been able to do in the veteran acquisition market and free agency is you know black friday for that next one comes from what a fun guy love the username uh, based on the information you have today what is your expect expected and also hoped for outcome with the quarterback situation next year so i lumped these two questions uh, back to back because, yeah, it's it's different than the one that Vin asked, right? I didn't necessarily have to say, is Desmond Ritter going to be back or not? But again, I, I feel like so much can change over these final four games because I, I don't think the Falcons are... I don't think they've closed the door on the possibility that Desmond Ritter is the quarterback 
you know, at least for next year. And if things go poorly next year, then probably both Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter are out and then it doesn't matter. So at least for the foreseeable future, I, I don't think they are totally out on that idea, but there are some substantially, you know, important areas that I think Desmond Ritter needs to improve. We've seen the good from him. There are times where he delivers a ball on time with anticipation on kind of a rope that's catchable and put in an area where only his guy can get it. And so that right there, like if you have that in the NFL and can do that at an NFL level to beat NFL players, yeah, like that we're cooking. That'll take you to the playoffs if you can limit or develop the other stuff around it. And you also couple that with Desmond Ritter's running ability, which is really kind of ticked up lately. Yeah, I mean, you see what there is to like about him as a player at the NFL level, right? Like, I think he can have a career at this level, but whether or not that is as a starter next season and and again, for the short-term foreseeable future or as kind of a career backup, I think depends on, on his development of some nuanced areas. And I got really excited when he... I'm, trying to remember it may have been Houston or Washington um, when he had the four false starts because that was his snap count right that was a mastery that he had not yet shown before of utilizing the snap count to kind of mess with the defense and keep them off guard right get them to tip their hand a little bit early or maybe be a second slow that is a really really kind of advanced part of quarterback play And so when I saw him do that, I was like, oh, okay, we may have something here. And really haven't seen that since. In fact, there were a couple of plays against Tampa Bay where, you know, uh, it felt like the maybe the, the alert was there that wasn't made or he just is, here's what the play is supposed to be. So this is just what I'm going to do. And that doesn't suggest a growth in kind of the nuanced parts of the position. There there was a specific play. Um, it was a rollout in uh, the second quarter. Maybe it was the, the third quarter. And it was an incomplete pass to Scotty Miller kind of along the right sideline. And the ball was high. And it almost looked like he expected that to be Drake London based on where he put the ball. Too high for Scotty Miller. He jumped. He caught it. But it dragged him out of bounds. And on the rollout, you kind of had delayed levels of of crossers so you had scotty miller running kind of that comeback kyle pitts was running just an out and then you had johnny smith kind of coming across the formation on a delayed crosser and he was open and i know that's a little bit of a, a back across your body across the middle of the field throw but it wasn't by that much like you see that throw all the time and afterwards johnny smith was like dude i i was open he went over and talked to desmond Ritter and was like i'm here but it, it just kind of felt like Desmond Ritter's eyes never left just that sideline. And he had time. He wasn't under pressure. It's that part of the game that I think you need to see some significant growth from. Just kind of it clicking, right? You can just kind of tell when, when somebody's figured it out and the game slows down for them a little bit. I don't know if I'm there with Desmond Ritter yet. Like I see the, the parts of his game where I'm like, that looks... Awesome. And and there are some negatives. Like I said earlier, he he will just miss a slant that's like one step rock catch throw. And it's a foot 
and a half behind the wide receiver. And it's like, well, you can't miss that, dude. You can't put it at his feet when he's running a curl route six yards in front of you. Like there are some of these accuracy issues, but there are moments where he's insanely accurate. It just looks effortful. And until he starts making at least half of his plays look a little bit more effortless, I'm going to kind of question whether it's all coming together, even if he's showing some growth here and there. Again, it's just got to be the game slowed down. Oh, man, you made this play. He's doing it with his legs sometimes. But even then, he's kind of doing it with his legs at the expense of if you just popped your head up, you would see this guy downfield who was wide open. And sometimes it feels like he's got the blinders on a little bit for me. Um, So that was a a long way of saying, I, I think that if he shows that growth, he could be the quarterback next year. But if he doesn't, yeah, I, I think that the Falcons, especially if Arthur Smith is back and they are feeling a little bit more urgency to get it done next year, right? The playoffs were the expectation this year. They may still make that happen, but if they don't, then you fail to reach that expectation kind of on the initial deadline. So they're going to really want you to, to make that second deadline. Um, I think that would they draft a quarterback? Either they would have to love somebody and really believe that that this person can come in immediately and, and make the change. I kind of am leaning right now that maybe they would go in the veteran quarterback market. I don't know what that looks like right now. I don't know if that's a Justin Fields or a Kyler Murray. I, my instinct kind of, again, I could see Justin Fields because maybe you just do the Mariota thing and you build it around a better athlete and a better passer at this point and see what happens, right? And they could just have the number one rushing offense in the NFL and go back to what Arthur Smith was doing so well. I could also see it being a little bit more of the Ritter-Tannehill vibe, like even a little Baker, right? I Like, I don't know if Baker's going to be available or anything like that, but that type of, he can run a little bit. He's got some attitude to him. He's got a little bit of that gunslinger, like he's not going to get phased. Because uh, over and over again, that's what Arthur Smith mentions that he loves about Desmond Ritter is he doesn't get faced. He's not afraid to let it rip. Um, so I again, I could see Ritter coming back. But if they do move on from him right now, I'm leaning a little bit more towards the veteran quarterback market as opposed to a rookie in a, in a great rookie class. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I <laughs> reserve the right to change that opinion many, many more times. Um, all right. So next one from... Nick, and I hope I'm saying this right because you're a real one. You've been following me on Twitter from day one, so I appreciate it. It's Gagas, G-A-G-A-S. Um, so I, I hope it's Gagas. If it's an acronym, please let me know what it is. Uh, I've been trying to figure it out if it is forever. I uh, haven't. But Nick says, let's talk draft because I just hope we make the playoffs no matter what that outcome brings. But this has to be the year we draft a defensive end, correct? Even with Ritter's ups and downs. And then also... Do the Falcons sign Pitts to a fifth year? And do you think he would be signed as a wide receiver or a tight end? Um, I'll answer that one first. I, I'm really curious to see the Pitts fifth year. I think they will sign him to a fifth year. Um, you know, t- they have declined some fifth year options so far, but front offices love to do it when it's not their guys and coaches love to do it when it's not their guys just to kind of, you know, set that new accountability culture. But when it is somebody that you've drafted, again, that that becomes a little bit more 
there's just more factors involved in that decision. So I'm, I'm curious to see if they do, but I think they will. And I think, you know, giving him another year coming off of that injury, he is still a, a game changing and a, a matchup altering type of player. And he's still very young. So yeah, like bet on him, get one more year of that, of that rookie, even though it's going to jump up. Um, and then, I don't know if they would sign him kind of before he plays that fifth year. I could see them having him truly play out that fifth year before inking him to a long-term deal. But if if they did, I, I would I would say tight end, right? I, I think that he's the way he's utilized is not just as a wide receiver. In this offense, he is much more of a tight end than I think he would be in most offenses. So I think that benefits the Falcons a little bit in terms of that argument. Like if he's on the Chargers that dude is basically Quentin Johnston, right? But he's not. He is here in Atlanta where he is in line and in the backfield and doing all this tight end stuff when you're like, just let him run routes. But he's not, and that is the issue for everybody. So I think that's a pretty strong argument for the uh, Falcons. So to the draft and Nick's main point, um, drafting a defensive end, I I think, yes, I mean, I am 100% with you. I I have been on team let's draft a defensive end for like 12 years now, it feels like, uh, and it probably actually is. I think that they have shown hints and signs that, yeah, they, they feel that they need to upgrade in that area. The number one thing I would point to is the Montez Sweat um, rumors at the trade deadline. And again, I have to believe the reports that the Falcons were right there in on it and made a strong, compelling offer. And that's where Montez Sweat wanted to go. And then, you know, everything happened from there. But that kind of does tell me that, hey, the Falcons are trying to add to this area. They they have said they want to add a strength to a strength. They drafted a running back after already having a rookie who rushed for a thousand yards in his first season. So they are clearly never content with just the abilities of, of a group. And the the pass rush group is, you know, again, I, I like the defensive line. I like the front in terms of pure pass rush power, like it's not the the number one unit on this roster. Um, so uh, that is where I do think you'd have to be looking at, at edge, at least considering it. But two things, why they may not. And again, I think it would frustrate a lot of people. But first one is, if you decide that Ritter is not the answer and Arthur Smith is coming back and Terry Fondo is coming back and they do feel that there is you know, a player in this draft who offers more immediate talents than any of the guys available in the free agency market or trade. And I, I think the Falcons could also get creative with a trade um, if they needed to. But if they feel like, yeah, the talent is is there, offers something rare, unique that is is not available readily, and that that player is able to kind of step in from day one and be the starter and be the guy and and they don't have any questions about that, then yeah, like that moves to the top of your list if you feel that you need to get that person in the first round, right? So that would be one reason why the Falcons maybe wouldn't go with an edge in the first round this year. The other would be I, maybe that's a spot where they just like their veterans, right? And we've kind of seen because the Falcons have gone offense for three straight years, it it's making me and I have no reason to believe that this is true, but also to believe that it's not true. So I'm speculating, but it's a hypothesis that I have. I do wonder if there's a little bit of a feeling that defensive players, you know, 
maybe you're a little more hit and miss and that younger guys, it's a little bit harder to kind of either scout that and project it or for them to develop and get up to speed. So they like their veteran guys on defense, right? And that's where they're going to invest. Whereas offensively, hey, we want just talent. We want skills. We want height. We want strength. We want speed. We want just kind of give us all the tools to work with and then we'll figure out what to do with it. So that right there, if there is a little bit of an inherent bias, maybe they don't draft an edge, but maybe they're on the market. You know, if they're not going, if they want to draft a quarterback, maybe they are in on the number one defensive end, the number one edge in the free agency market. But I could also see it being vice versa. They're in on the number one quarterback and they they draft the number one edge, right? So I could I could see it going either way, but I definitely am on board if they do draft a uh, a defensive end or an edge because it is well past time. Like if they get Laiatsu, Latsu, like I'm super, super in on that. Um, all right, we've got a couple more. So Mark Reimers, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, not Reimers, Reimers, um, asks, Clark Phillips has been playing well. Missed some tackles, but would you think next year he could surpass Okuda opposite of Terrell and maybe make Okuda the slot player? Um, so Jeff Okuda's contract is is going to be up because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So he's going to be a free agent at the end of this season. I think that Clark Phillips emerging the way he has actually now gives the team a reason maybe not to actively like pursue negotiations with Jeff Okuda. I'm I'm sure they will st- either they know right now, hey, like this is a one and done deal, you know, we'll go our separate ways, no hard feelings, all of that. Or that, you know, they're gonna talk about it, see what they can get him back if if it's uh, you know, a reasonable deal. Like he's a good player. They should absolutely do that. But I kind of think given the way he's played this year, he's definitely helped himself in terms of market value because it's been a pretty strong year for a good defense and a surprising defense opposite AJ Terrell and he's been tested. So I, I think he's done a lot to kind of help his stock. So for that reason, I I, I don't know if he would be pushed into the slot. I, I frankly don't know if he would be here. Um, I If he is, I don't know if he would go into the slot. Um, I don't think that's where his skill set is is best utilized. Also, D. Alford has is, is played really well down there, and they also have three safeties who they they like on the field. So that's, again, part of the reason why I could see him just being a, a little bit of a too rich for their blood, given the options that they have uh, kind of as alternatives. So yeah, I, I agree. Clark Phillips has been playing really well. And that's an awesome occurrence for the Falcons that, that he has kind of emerged, that DeMarco Hellams has kind of emerged as well. I, I love what they're getting from those guys. I really think Zach Harrison, I know the on-field production has not been there yet, but I love watching him work with the other defensive linemen kind of before home games. He and they get with Ryan Nielsen and it's really cool to see them all get coached up like that. And then just talking to him, the few times, like he is a smart, bright kid. He is taking all the coaching he can. So this rookie class does have a chance, I think, to be pretty special. You've already got two starters in in uh, Matthew Bergeron and Bajan Robinson that are in there every, you know, every single week. And we've seen Marco Hellams kind of eat out a role. Now Clark Phillips is getting in there. Like this is this is a really strong, strong group. So that is great to see. But it, it could unfortunately. Maybe not, unfortunately, right? Maybe they they always wanted this to be the plan. And if it comes to fruition, I'm just glad we got to see Jeff Okuda play for a year because he's a really fun football player to watch. Um, all right, so let's end on a little bit of a holiday fun 
notes, um, Ed Holinsky asks, of current Falcons and coaches, which three could play Santa at this year's holiday party? I limited this to just Falcons players, so I, I didn't include the coaches. I don't know the coaches you know, that well, and, and also it's fun just to kind of talk more about the players. Uh, so, first one, Clayus Campbell. Um, and this is really, honestly, just a very simple reason. He is big enough where anybody could sit on his lap. So, it's a pretty important quality to have, in my opinion, if you're going to be a Santa. So, he is also, you know, the elder statesman of the team. He gets to don the white beard, the red hat. We'll let Calais Campbell uh, be Santa Claus at my Falcons player party. But the second player is actually Desmond Ritter. And again, it's it's a pretty simple reason. Um, it's because he's he's already been giving gifts out all year long. And I... That may be mean, right? That, that's probably a little bit mean. It is the holiday season. We should all be, you know, brotherly love, all that good stuff. But eh, it's true. It's true. Uh, the third one is Bijan Robinson. Um, and it is because nobody has embodied cheer, like the word cheer, just the spirit of cheer, like more than than that dude. Every time I have... The few occasions that I've been able to to talk to him or see him in the locker room or whatever, he's happy. He is just a bright burst of positive energy. Um, So I can already kind of picture wearing the Santa Claus outfit, coming in, big grin, smile on his face. Um, So those are my three. Calais Campbell, Bajan Robinson, and then Desmond Ritter for not a very nice reason, but, eh, you know, naughty and nice list. There we go. Thank you guys so much for sending me in the mailbag questions, those of you who did. Thank you to everybody else for listening to today's episode, catching it on YouTube. Um, And we will be back on Sunday, Ovi and I, to recap the Falcons-Panthers game. Hopefully the Falcons can get back on the right track with a win in the division. Kind of keep pace now. Hope the Tampa Bay loses to Green Bay and you know the Falcons can get right back on top of their perch. Today's episode, as always, was presented by Bet Online. That will do it for me. We'll see you guys bright and early on Monday. Until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.